Today on the Craft Room Podcast, let's talk about stencils. This is episode 28. Welcome to the Craft Room Podcast. I'm your host, Dawn Lewis, professional crafter, craft teacher, and all-round craft enthusiast. This podcast will help you get great value from your craft supplies and perhaps help you discover new techniques, ideas, and products to take your crafting to the next level. There is so much craft to talk about, so let's dive right in. Hello, welcome to the Craft Room Podcast. I know it's been a while between episodes, but honestly, COVID and lockdown have kept me extra, extra busy with the shop. I'm excited to be back. Thank you for tuning in. And if this is your first time listening, a very special welcome to you. Today, let's talk about one of the oldest, most used, versatile and affordable pieces of kit that you can have in your crafting stash, stencils. Stencils are essentially a tool that helps you create a design quickly and easily by masking off the areas where you don't want to apply your ink or paint or medium. There are lots of different sizes, shapes and types of stencils. You can buy them, you can make them, and there are a few different materials that are commonly used. These days, commercial crafting stencils are a thin, flexible plastic but you can make your own. You can use special stenciling plastic, acetate. You could maybe try a fused laminator pouch, cardboard or paper. Uh, You can cut them by hand or you could use a die cutting machine. You could use your dies or maybe a more sophisticated electronic cutting machine like the scan and cut where you could scan and print or hand draw an image and then cut it out. Alternatively, you could use a machine like the Silhouette or a Cricut. You could use SVG files. I will link to my favourite source for SVG files in the show notes. When you are creating your own stencil, though, the most important thing to remember is that the openings of the design need to be bridged. That means there can't be any loose pieces. The whole thing needs to be one joined up piece. My current preference for stencils are the thin plastic commercial ones. They're flexible, so I can use them on a curved surface like a candle, yet they are extremely durable. On occasions where I have cut my own stencils in recent years, I've used acetate. It's durable enough to complete the project, although after a couple of dozen uses, it's pretty much done and not suitable to be used again. It's a single use in the sense that I could only use it for one project, even if I do use that stencil many times in the making of that project. The biggest project I ever did with an acetate stencil, in fact, it was two layering stencils that I designed myself before layering stencils were cool, was a large sponsor board is the best way I can think to describe it. It was for my daughter's year six farewell. They had a Hollywood theme and I was on the decorating committee and my friend and I, who we were the decorating committee, we thought it would be fun to have the school logo or emblem on a sponsor board, kind of like at a red carpet event. All the kids were photographed with their custom background and last I heard, the school was still using it. I will pop a photo of it on the blog so you can see and when you will when you see it, you'll understand why I used a stencil. At the time, the only option I had was hand cutting from acetate but if I was doing it now, I would definitely use a scan and cut. Now, cardboard and paper stencils are super easy to cut and they're cheap but they really have a very, very short lifespan and they're more suited to projects where you're using spray paint or tracing lightly. Uh, Because of the porous nature of cardstock and paper, eventually whatever paint, ink or medium that you use over the top 
it's liquid and it is going to bleed through, therefore no longer providing that masking effect that makes the stencil do its job efficiently. Today, I'm going to concentrate on different types of crafts and surfaces suitable for stenciling projects, some fun mediums that you can apply over stencils, and I'm also going to cover the five most amazing advances I've seen in stencil technology. Is it technology? Yes. Stencil technology in recent years. We'll also discuss some accessories and tools that can improve your stenciling experience. Let's start with surfaces. And while I'm going to admit straight up front, I have not done a deep dive into the history of stencils. I kind of imagined that one of the first uses was to create a feature wall. Imagine this, you want to create a feature wall, which means painting an even design from top to bottom, left to right. And doing that by hand, that would be not only incredibly time consuming, but also pretty much impossible to achieve any kind of uniformity in the design. But by using a large stencil, you could easily apply an even and uniform design all the way across the wall. I will talk about one of my favourite ideas for a feature wall with stencils a bit later on. Another popular place to use stencils is paper crafting. Scrapbooking, card making, art journals, stencils are popular for creating custom backgrounds in all of these. Uh, when I was scrapbooking, I used stencils quite often for a variety of different effects. I used a mini alphabet stencil for journal spot titles. My handwriting is legible, but it is by no means beautiful or even what you'd call artsy. Sure, I had a few alphabet stamp and die sets, but they were quite expensive back then. And sometimes a girl just needs some variety in her layouts. I sometimes use stencils for paper piecing and other times I would use them to create borders or backgrounds. These days in my card making, I mostly use stencils for backgrounds. And although I've yet to explore the world of art journaling, I've watched other people use them to create really gorgeous mixed media pages. On the subject of paper, planners and journals are a great place to use stencils. There are some amazing mini stencils for just this purpose. And I will link to a couple of my favourites in the show notes and over on the blog as well. Now, until a couple of years ago, I thought a diary was just a book calendar, nothing more than a place where I would jot down appointments and to-do lists. However, since I started stocking planner stamps and taken out a table and been an exhibitor at the Sydney Planner Markets and then joined a Facebook planner group, my eyes have been opened to a whole new world of planning. They are being used to track memories and express creativity. It's kind of like a hybrid form of scrapbooking, but smaller. I will link to the planner section of my shop in the show notes, the Facebook group that I belong to. It's an Australian one and one of my favorite planner stores that sells amazing planner stencils. Now let's talk about furniture. Many years ago, when I was just about to move out of home, I purchased a couple of pieces of pine furniture, bedside tables and a tall boy. The trend at the time was simply to stain and varnish them, but I wanted to add more of a personal touch. And I'd just been to a craft show and got a book about stenciling that came with stencils. So I figured I would stencil a gorgeous flourish design across the front of the drawers. I used two tones of blue paint. I added a gold highlight with a liner brush to the design. I still have those bedside tables and I still think they look pretty good. Uh, I will take a picture of one of the draw fronts and I will pop that on the blog as well. And remember, you can find a full transcript of this episode and bonus photos and all of the links over on the blog. It's at dawnlewis.com 
au backslash podcast 28. Naturally, I will link to the blog post in the show notes. Now, let's talk fabric. You can use a stencil to create quick designs on fabrics. It could be clothing, cushion covers, or just straight up fabric off the roll. The best example of this is screen printing, but a regular stencil will also do the job. So if you want an outfit or some home decor that nobody else has, then why not make your own custom fabric to do so? I have very fond memories of my mum doing simple, simple screen printing in the 80s. I'm pretty sure she used to use wax paper and then eventually she upgraded to a print Gokko screen printing machine. That was a fun machine to use. Does anyone else remember the print Gokko? I think she still has it. Now, moving from one fabric to another craft on fabric, you can also use stencils for embroidery especially if you want to put down a repeat pattern. Now, let's say you're making multiples of an item for gifts or something that you sell quite regularly. One of my favourites is to use an alphabet stencil to trace around a letter, creating a monogram, and then fill in the area outside of the lines quite densely, working out to stitches that are spaced further apart. So the further it comes out from the letter, the more it tapers off. It's a little difficult to describe. You know what? I will put a link to an example I found on Pinterest in the show notes so you can see. But that is a great way you can use a stencil in embroidery. Now, I mentioned home decor before. I'm going to expand on that. More than just fabric and walls and furniture, you can use stencils to create signage, be it country style on a piece of pine or some modern chic font on some reclaimed wood. Forget the perfect sign writing skills that take years to master because a stencil can help you create something special for your own home or for a gift quite quickly. You can also use it to create fun multimedia artwork on a canvas. Man, that is fun to do. I should really do that in my holidays. Now, probably the most surprising place that I've seen stencils used is in the kitchen. You can use stencils to create beautiful designs with icing around a cake. If you need perfect lettering, stencils can help you there. I've seen cookie makers over on TikTok using stencils to assist them create their really intricate designs. I'll link to a quick video in the show notes. You kind of need to see it to believe it, but cookie stencils are totally a thing. So that's just you know some examples off the top of my head of some of the different places you can apply a stencil. Now let's talk mediums because it is not just one thing that you can apply over a stencil. These days, of course, these commercial stencils, they come in all different shapes and sizes from little itty bitty cookie ones to A4 or even A3, which are great for walls. And with the growing popularity of slimline cards, there's more shapes and styles and sizes and lots of stencils means lots of opportunity for mediums so let's dive into those inks let's start with inks and when I say inks there are a few different kinds so first let's talk about ink sprays ranger has uh, the dilutions ink sprays they are fantastic the colors are vibrant the ink is very thin and watery it sprays really well You'll note if you're using them, the closer you get to your project to do your spray, the more solid the coverage is going to be. But if you spray from further away, the ink is more spread out for more of a fine spatter finish. Now, one of the coolest things I saw someone do in their art journal when spritzing a spray ink over a stencil on one page was to then pick up that stencil, which was covered in ink because it did its job properly, 
and then they flipped it upside down and applied it to the opposite page. So the genius of this is that you end up with two designs from one application of the spray ink. Use the positive on one project and the negative on another. And then you're not wasting all that ink. I thought that that was really smart. Also, while spray inks are loads of fun and they're bright and they're colourful, I do offer this word of caution, especially if you've never used them before. They are messy and that ink is going to stain everything. So unless you enjoy having inky stained fingertips, perhaps some disposable gloves are a good idea to keep with your inks so that you remember to use them. Also, because of their liquid nature, there's usually quite a bit of overspray. Uh, I am still finding tiny red dots on my paper crafting desk after my first adventure with dilution spray ink. That was many years ago. Uh, I recommend grabbing a cardboard box, perhaps something one of your orders has arrived in. Pick one up at Aldi or Bunnings or use a cereal box, whatever you've got to hand. Place your project in the box and spray into that or at least take it outside and spray it over the grass. You do not want to get a permanent ink all over that heirloom tablecloth or your brand new dining table or the really nice clothes that you're probably wearing. Now, the next type of ink is ink pads. Ink blending is probably the most popular use for stencils in the card making community right now. You can apply distress inks, either regular or oxide, full size or mini ink pads, it really doesn't matter. Dye inks, pigment inks, hybrid inks, over stencils to get different effects and you can use a variety of different tools as well. There are some great blending brushes on the market right now, all different shapes and sizes. Uh, you can even use makeup brushes to do this. In fact, a lot of the blending brushes on the market now started their life as a makeup brush. I will link to a great video comparing the two by the amazing Mary Polanco and you can make your decision on which one you would like to use. But using your ink pads with stencils, it's a great way to stretch those supplies and get more bang for your buck. The same stencil can look completely different with a fresh colour combination or a different texture finish. There are some amazing techniques using ink pads with stencil, which we will get into shortly. But now let's talk paint. There are a few different ways that you can apply paint over a stencil. It's, it's going to depend a little on the surface that you're working on and the type of paint. Your stencil design may also help decide which kind of applicator you need to use. If you're using an acrylic paint or a wall paint, you could use a mini sponge roller. If the stencil's really fine, like very intricate detail, and you're using a paint roller though, it's possible that that thicker paint is going to pick up the edges or the fine details of your stencil and it might get underneath. So you want to be super gentle with those very intricate designs and maybe use a smaller, gentler applicator like a stipple brush. That's what I used when I worked on my pine furniture. But if it's just a plain design like a circle or square or diamond or a triangle or something, you could use those little mini paint rollers without too much worry. You can use spray paint like a can. You shake up like graffiti style uh, spray paint with a stencil, which is actually how the icons like parents with prams or disability spaces are marked in parking areas. However, be aware that if you get spray paint on your stencil, chances are that you will not be able to clean that off. So now if the stencil's for single use or a single project use and you need to cover a really big area fast, absolutely go for it. This is where a cardboard stencil can shine 100%. Uh, but there's also a different kind of spray paint, much smaller container, pump spray, very similar to the spray inks. 
The difference is consistency, and it definitely pays to read reviews on them, as well as paying close attention to the instructions so that the paint doesn't dry in the nozzle, rendering it useless. This would be used for smaller craft projects. Now, one of my favourite techniques for creating a feature wall, because I can't wait, I have to tell you about this now, would be to use tone on tone, but change up the type of paint to show the stencil design. For example, just picture this. You could paint a whole wall black. Yes, I know it's dramatic. Hear me out, hear me out. Using a matte finish paint. And once it's dry, you could put your nice big stencil in place and paint over that with a black gloss finish paint. It is my dream to do this with a large damask stencil because the end result would be so gorgeously gothic and you know sophisticated and gorgeous. <laughs> Sure, you can create great geometric finishes on walls with painter's tape, which has been a huge lockdown trend on TikTok, but the time needed to place all that tape on the wall is quite significant. A stencil is going to help cut that time down. You may need to measure and mark some points so that the stencils line up straight, but the end result would be well worth the effort. I think that's a good point for me to start talking about techniques. There are so many great techniques that you can do using stencils. First off, let's talk offset stenciling. Now, I've talked about offset stamping before, but offset stenciling, it's, it's totally a thing. You place your stencil down, you blend your ink over the top, then you shift your stencil ever so slightly, perhaps to the left and down a bit, or to a little to the right and up a bit, or right and down, left and up, whichever way you're going to shift it in you know, a diagonal kind of direction. And it's going to create a little drop shadow. One of my favourite ways to create this optical illusion is to ink with a darker colour and then do that slight shift to offset the stencil and then go over it with a white ink. But we'll talk about more white ink ideas later on. It is absolutely stunning. But if you want to get that old school 3D glasses look, try this technique with red and blue ink. One section is going to get one colour of ink. The other's going to get the second colour and everything in between that gets both is going to look like a third colour. So this is a, not only an interesting effect, it's a great way to stretch your stencils out when you are card making, or scrapbooking or paper crafting. Use whichever inks you have on hand. You can even use embossing inks. Now, speaking of embossing, this is also a very cool way that you can use your stencils and there are two different kinds of embossing that I'm going to talk about. The first is heat embossing. So if you want to use a stencil to do some heat embossing, you can just lay down your cardstock, put your stencil in place, then apply your Versamark or whichever clear sticky ink, even a pigment ink, straight from the ink pad or using a blending tool or a brush over the top of the stencil. You lift that stencil away and then you can apply your embossing powder, shake off the excess and heat it with a heat tool and you are going to have a beautiful metallic or iridescent or glittery or glossy design. You could go tone on tone. Imagine white cardstock with white embossing powder, kind of like a teeny tiny reverse version of my dream wall, right? Um, and then the other benefit of using an ink like Versamark is that when you apply it to a dark cardstock, it creates a slightly darker tone of the same color where it's applied. But of course, you can use any embossing powder that you have. And suddenly you have a very different look from that same old stencil. Now let's talk about raised embossing. And there are a few ways that you can do this. You could use the old mouse pad and stylus technique with a light hand, 
or you can run a stencil through your die cutting machine with an embossing mat. There's actually a lot I'd like to talk about when it comes to embossing. So what I've decided is I'm going to make that an episode all on its own. So that'll be the next episode. One of my earliest memories of using a stencil was tracing shapes. And that's one of the first crafts that my kids did. The first stencil I remember using was this really, really thick, hard plastic stencil that my dad had in his desk drawer. Had the full alphabet, uppercase, uh, numbers, punctuation, and I used that stencil to create title pages in my school books. It probably comes as no surprise to anybody that I was a huge nerd and doing title pages was my favourite part of going back to school. Sue me, I loved it. Uh, But that simple method of tracing around a stencil can be taken to some new levels. Sure, you can use a nice fine liner and colour it in solid, but you can also doodle some Zentangle designs in there without even outlining it. It's a very cool effect. You could add dots or crosshatches, mix it all up that way with different coloured markers. Use different kinds of markers like a Versamark pen or maybe metallic markers. Whatever you're using, just be aware of how the marker is going to react with the paper because you don't want to have excessive bleeding if it's a really absorbent paper and a really wet marker. Another fun technique is to stamp over your stencil. Most craft stencils these days, they're quite thin, thankfully, because stamping over a stencil really only works if it is a thin stencil. For example, that thick, hard plastic stencil I used when I was a kid would be completely useless. It just wouldn't work for this technique because the stamp needs to be able to touch the cardstock through the opening. So you need quite a fine, thin plastic stencil for this technique. Yes, paper or cardstock stencils would work here as well, but they're not going to hold up as well over time. So let's say you're using a simple circle stencil and you want to create a highlight spot with a design only in that circle. You can place your stencil down, maybe do a little ink blending, and then you can stamp over the top of it with a fun text or image or a background stamp. Of course, you don't have to do ink blending first. You can just stamp so you've got a fun shape. Alternatively, you could use it for a spotlight effect. So you could stamp, lay down your stencil shape over the top and only colour within that shape area. It's just another way to stretch it and get more value from your stencils. Now let's talk layering. You can try layering one stencil over another stencil. Now it doesn't mean put down two stencils at once, although, you know, there's no law that says you can't do that. I would start by applying my ink or my paint over one stencil, letting that dry, remove the stencil and let it dry. And then I would lay down a different stencil and apply the same or even a different color. So this is going to create some interesting looks and you've stretched the use of those stencils yet again. Another thing that you could do here if you really literally only have the one stencil is ink it up, turn it round or flip it over and then ink it again. So you're layering shapes that don't necessarily line up. This works better with more kind of erratic shapes rather than something that's quite geometric. Now let's talk glitter and stencils. While I'm not a big fan of using glitter because it just gets everywhere, I've got to admit I've done this technique and it was so impressive. Jack paper. It's a double-sided adhesive. It's got release paper on both sides. So what you can do, remove one side of the release paper, stick it down on your cardstock, and then you could use a stencil to trace your design onto the top layer of the release paper. Maybe use a craft knife and a light hand to cut through that paper, peel it away, and apply your glitter. Tap off all the excess. 
Then you can peel away the rest of the release paper, apply a different glitter colour, and you've got this single layer two-tone glitter effect. It's messy, but it is also shiny and pretty. Now, something that has... I've, I've had one for a while, I never use it, but they're gaining popularity again with card makers in particular, and that is the gel press. Oh man, I love the gel press. I have a large one. I honestly, I haven't used it because I can't remember where I put it, but I ordered myself recently a smaller six by six gel press. So working with the gel press is loads of fun. Essentially, it's a thick block of clear silicon. It's great for creating one-off designs called a monoprint. You can use inks and paints and mediums and all sorts of different tools. You guessed it, one of the fun ways to get designs and texture and interest into those monoprints using a gel press is with stencils. You can apply your paint or your ink, lay down a stencil, lay down your paper and then pull a print. Then you can remove the stencil, grab a different piece of paper and pull another print from it. It's kind of never ending. Of course, you can use stamps and texture plates and all sorts of other tools, which makes me think that maybe we should go a little more in depth about gel plates another time, but it is definitely fun. Then there are ink lift techniques, a fun way to create interest with your distress inks or any other water reactive ink pad. And your stencils includes something as simple as a baby wipe or a damp cloth. For this particular lift technique, you just ink up your cardstock with your ink, let it dry. You can either let it dry overnight or use your heat gun. Place your stencil on top of the ink surface, then apply the baby wipe or a damp cloth with a gentle pressing motion over the open areas of the stencil. Alternatively, you could spritz over the stencil with a mist of water or pearlized water. You can put a little water in a spray bottle with some perfect pearls and make your own pearlized water. Then you just use the dry cloth to dab the moisture away. And those water reactive inks, they're going to lift up with the cloth. So when you remove the stencil, you're going to see that design in a paler color than the background. It looks very, very cool. One of the first uh, sort of mediums that I used with stencils was texture paste. I've used it for painted projects before, but I remember I had this idea in my head that I wanted to try a faux metal embellishment using a stencil. It was actually very successful. When I first started scrapbooking, metal embellishments were gorgeous and new, but they were really expensive. So I played with some stencils and texture paste and embossing powder to see if I could get that metal look, and I did. To do this, I simply applied the texture paste or texture medium over my stencil onto the a fairly heavy-duty cardstock you need because texture paste is damp and it will make it warp. So you want to work on something like a chipboard for this one. But I applied it with a palette knife or a scraper or something. I can't remember. It was a long time ago. Also note that when you do this, the thickness of your stencil is going to be a good indicator at how thick your raised area of texture paste is going to be. But even if you've got a super thin stencil, you can still apply the paste heavily and thickly. When you pull that stencil away, I recommend lifting it straight up, not dragging it or rolling it. Then you're going to get that thick texture paste. It is important to let that paste dry fully. I prefer to let it dry overnight rather than using a heat tool because sometimes texture paste can bubble with the application of heat and this needs to be a nice level surface. When the texture paste is dry, apply a clear sticky embossing ink like Versamark over the whole piece. Pour over your metallic embossing powder. Heat and repeat that two or three times and voila, a faux metal raised embossed embellishment. You're welcome. 
Now, of course, you don't have to do a foam metal effect with texture paste. You can simply leave it white. You could apply a glittery embossing powder. And if you want an interesting texture effect, why not hit it with that heat gun? I have seen it done. It looks amazing. Uh, so you could also mix some ink or some paint in with the texture paste before you apply it to get something with a bit of colour. So you can get some really interesting looks and a little bit of texture and height with it. Now, there are a few different foils. Some need toner, some need heat and or pressure. So let's talk deco foil medium. For the deco foils and even flocks, you can use deco foil transfer gel duo. And one of the ways that you can apply this gel medium is through a stencil. You sing a sing a theme. Uh, so you could use a palette knife or a scraper to apply the gel medium. You can lift the stencil away, scrape that excess off, put it back in the jar to use later, and then you need to let that stencil gel dry. It's going to shift from white to clear and you'll know it's dry. From there, simply place your foil over the top, pretty side up, place it into a folded piece of baking paper with an extra piece of cardstock, run it through your laminator. Alternatively, you could use pressure instead of heat by running it through a die cutting machine. I will link to a video in the show notes where you can see this in action. Now on the topic of gels, let's talk glitter gel at Creativation this year, which feels like it was a million years ago. I got to play with the new Ranger Stickles glitter gels using a stenciling technique. It was really simple. You just Put down the cardstock, put down the stencil, scrape it across the top with a palette knife, lift the stencil away and let it dry. And we used a heat tool to speed that up and it did a great job. The gel's clear. The glitter is really intense, but it's not going to come off on your hands because it's trapped inside that dried gel. Stunning results. Now, before I mentioned white pigment ink, Jennifer Maguire does this amazing technique over inked surfaces using a stencil and white pigment ink. She and I both strongly recommend the Hero Arts Unicorn White Pigment Ink Pad for this technique. It is a beautiful, strong, bright white ink and it does a great job. Instead of placing a stencil over white cardstock and putting a dark colour through the stencil, how about starting with a dark cardstock or a darkly inked piece of cardstock? Then place your stencil down and apply white ink through the stencil for kind of a reverse look. You can even ombre it from a strong white at the bottom to less intense as you move towards the top or vice versa. I will link to one of those videos so you can check out what I mean. So using all of these techniques, there's one thing that they have in common and that is cleanup. It is important to make sure you clean your stencils almost immediately after using them. You do not want texture medium or paint drying on that stencil. And I learned this the hard way. If I'm using stencils with any kind of medium that I need to apply with a palette knife, a roller or a paintbrush, I have a tub of water next to me. Just something small like an ice cream container, as long as your stencils will fit in it and sit flat. That way, when I'm done working with the stencil, I can drop it into the tub so the paint or the medium isn't going to dry. And then I can clean them all in one go later on. Now, if you're using inks, uh, you don't need to do that. You can just wipe them clean using a baby wipe or a spritz of water and a microfiber cloth. If you do need to give them a bit of a scrub, a soft baby nail brush is an ideal tool for giving them a good thorough cleaning without causing damage to the stencils, especially if they're quite intricate. So why am I insisting that you clean them quickly to keep them in good condition? Well, that's a great question. I'm glad you asked. 
It's because if you let the ink or the paint or the mediums dry in the openings of the stencils, next time you go to use it, it's not going to give you the crisp design that you expect from the stencil because instead of the design being where the cut plastic ends, that dried paint or medium is going to now become part of the stencil so you won't get the proper design. Now, we talked about tools a little earlier. I think we should talk about a few more right now because while stenciling is quite a simple process, there are a few things that can make the whole thing that little bit easier. One of my main problems with stencils is their slippery nature. It's so frustrating when they move about and then the design ends up crooked or you put all this effort into a great blend and then the stencil moves and your ink or your paint or your gel or whatever, it gets in the wrong place like underneath. But thankfully, there are some excellent products that can help you keep your stencil where it needs to be. Let's start with Pixie Spray. This is an aerosol spray. It's a low-tack adhesive. And you might remember we talked about adhesives back in episode 26. I don't remember, though, if I mentioned Pixie Spray. But I'm talking about it now. This one's ideal for stencils with very dainty, intricate designs and lots of those slender little pieces that might easily move about when they're being pushed by a blending brush or lift as a roller full of thick paint goes across the top. So you spray this adhesive onto the back of your stencil, let it dry to a tacky finish, and then you're ready to lay your stencil down on your surface and get to work. It's sticky enough that it's going to hold still while you work and not have little pieces lift up yet not so sticky that it's going to damage your surface when you do peel it away. Uh, I would recommend spraying this in your overspray box that maybe you use for your um, spray dyes or outside. And if it is a windy day, in fact, I would just do this anyway, wear a mask. You do not want to be breathing in glue. That's not going to be good in your lungs. I'm just saying. Uh, I am often asked if I stock Pixie Spray in my shop. The answer to that is unfortunately not. 99.9% .9 of my orders are sent by post and aerosol sprays cannot be sent via Australia Post. They're a dangerous item. So this is one of those things that it's best to pick up at your local craft store. Uh, but you know, one day someone's going to bring out a pump version and I will be all over that and I will have that for sure. The next one is a low tack tape. You may not need to put a spray adhesive on the back to hold the whole thing down, but you might want to stop it sliding about. And that is where a low-tack tape comes in handy. There are some specific tapes that you can get. Uh, there's one from Thermaweb, including a narrow and a wide purple tape. They're very popular. But washi tape or painter's tape, they're also going to do a really good job. What I like to do is put the stencil right side down, place my cardstock over the top, and tape it from the back. So then if my stencil and cardstock are going to move, they are going to move together. You can, of course, tape the whole lot down onto your desk or your work surface, and then nothing is going to move, and that can be helpful too. We also need to talk about ink blending tools. I touched on them before, but these days there's so much variety in them. Uh, for stencils that aren't too detailed, or when I want a really heavy ink coverage, I like to use the Ranger Tim Holtz mini distress tool. Uh, it has the foam pads and I really like that the foam pads attach with Velcro. They're relatively inexpensive and you can get refill packs. I will link to them in the show notes. I also like that they store very neatly underneath my one inch ink cubes. I love that. So I have one foam pad for each of my mini distress inks. Yes, I do have the original larger rectangular ink blending tool, but honestly, I find the mini round tool applies ink better. It's got less grungy bits when I do that initial application. 
Uh, and in the last couple of years, ink blending brushes have really come like they are big now and there are a number of different types and sizes. I use a blending brush sometimes when I want a softer application of ink, something nice and soft. So maybe if I want it to blend out to this barely there finish, you know, ombre from dark in the center to next to nothing at the outside. Some brushes have handles, others are more ergonomic. They fit in the palm of your hand, like the pink and main Alter New and Honey Bee blending brushes. They are nice palm ones. And others that I quite like are small, like the iCrafter fingertip blending brushes and the Alter New small blending brushes. I'll link to all of them in the show notes. I've had some great results with makeup brushes, which are practically identical to the craft ones. Uh, so don't forget to check out that video by Mary Polenko. You can check that link out there as well in the show notes. So which one you choose depends on a number of factors, including your preferences and your budget. The last one is a palette knife. You can get proper little mini painter palette knives. And there are also these big scrapers that you can buy for putting a, a medium, like a gel medium or the transfer duo or texture paste across a stencil. And if you want to cover a large area in a small amount of time, that's fantastic. But you could also use an old gift card, like an iTunes card. I mean, you've already claimed it. What are you going to do with that piece of plastic? Throw it in the bin? No. Put it in your craft box. It's now a scraper for texture mediums and glitter paints and gels and stuff. And that is one of the beauties of stenciling. You do not have to spend a fortune. You get loads of variety and it's really simple to do. I promised I would talk about the five most amazing new kinds of stencils that have hit the market in the last few years. For me, they're total game changers, quite amazing. And uh, you've probably seen some of them. They're not all brand new, but I thought I'd go through them because if you've not played with stencils for a long time, you've got to hear about these. Let's start with the oldest one, and that is the shifter stencil. It's the one, first time I really noticed that stencil tech was kind of changing. They're by Tim Holtz, and they might look like a regular stencil. They're long and narrow. And they have really cool designs. The openings are kind of spread out. It's not a very dense design. If you look closely at these stencils, and I'll put a photo on the blog so you can see, there's an embossed section. Once you've done your inking or you've sprayed or painted something over the stencil, you can wipe it clean, make sure your layer is dry, and then you shift it so that that painted design you just applied is lined up under the embossed section. So now all your open areas are perfectly spaced in between the design you already inked. This means you can get an all over design that's quite dense with a single color or gives you the perfect opportunity to use two different colors because the shifter stencil masks itself for you. It's pure genius. The next is stencil and mask sets. I have to admit for the longest time I have wondered why on earth don't they give us that little cutout section of the stencils? Because then you could use it, right? And the overwhelming joy in my heart when Altenew started releasing stencil and mask sets last year to go with their stamp sets. Look, I don't know if they were the first, but they were the first ones that I really took notice of. Wow. So with the stencil mask set, you not only have that stencil with the cutout holes that are your design, but that bit that comes out of the hole, the fallout piece, you can use it as a mask. Now let's take, for example, uh, they have a beautiful tulip set. This is the first one that I got in for the shop with the stencil and mask set. 
It's a delight to stamp and colour, but what if you've culled this tulip and you think to yourself, I want to put a softly blended blue sky behind it. Well, in the old days, we would take a sticky note, stamp on it, fussy cut it, put it over the top, do our stenciling. And yes, that will do the job, but it's time consuming, especially for really detailed stamps. And if you are time poor with your crafting, or maybe that's just me, Or maybe you just don't like fussy cutting or you have some mobility issues that make fussy cutting difficult. It can be really fiddly and honestly, after a few goes, those sticky note masks, they just lose their stick and they're no good. And then you have to cut another one. And yes, you can get masking paper, but again, that's an extra expense and you still have to fussy cut it. But with the stencil and mask set, you just need some dot roller temporary adhesive, roll it onto the back of the mask, stick it down over the stamping and colouring you just did and blend away and get that beautiful soft blue sky in the background. The ink is just going to glide over that plastic mask and you can reuse it for years to come with zero fussy cutting. And that is a beautiful thing. Now, I appreciate that not everyone is into colouring and I get that. And so the next one is quite amazing and that is layering stencils. Layering stamps have been around for a really long time where you have different stamps and each stamp is a different layer of the design and you start with pale colours, work your way up to darker colours. It looks amazing. But now there are layering stencils and they give you even more time to line them up right before you add your ink. So you can take your time to line them up with stamps. It can be a little nerve wracking, especially if you don't have a stamp positioning tool. I will link to a few of my favourites in the show notes and on the blog. And you can use these layering stencils with the outline stamp or without. No Copic markers required, no watercolours required, no fancy pencils required. You can just use your coloured ink pads. So if you're not into colouring, these layered stencils are a total game changer, giving you these beautiful, dimensional, almost realistic looking flowers and pinwheels and all these other incredible designs. And they're so popular, they are just constantly sold out. I find it really hard to keep them in stock. The next one is edge stencils. Oh, I'm enjoying them. And this is, again, another thing that often baffled me as to why there's kind of a design in the middle of a stencil and yet the edges are kind of just wasted real estate. Thank goodness for edging stencils. I'll link to some examples of those as well. But I do want to give special mention to one of my favourites. It's by Simon Hurley. It's uh, his scene maker stencil and it has so many elements, both in the centre and around the edge. And the masks are included. I kid you not. It utilises the whole stencil. So you can create mountains, grass, sun, moon, stars, clouds, birds, all from one six by six inch stencils. Uh, I have some other favourites as well. Uh, My favourite things and Lawn Fawn have put out some amazing edge stencils. And in these cases, there's actually no design in the centre. It's just designs around the edge. Usually they're specialised like clouds or grass or hillsides. And there are four edges. Each edge has a different design or profile. So that's fantastic for variety. However, think about it. If you flip that stencil over, you now have another four profiles. Imagine you're making a slimline card and your whole background is clouds with maybe a critter flying through the air holding a balloon. And you want to do a tall, slim card with the whole background as as clouds. You don't want it to be the same every single time, right? So with these edging stencils, 
you can shift it left, you can shift it right, you can use the different edge and use the left and the right of that and a different edge and another edge and another edge and then if you run out and you still want more variety in your clouds, you can flip it over and you'll get completely different look again. So it's giving you eight options in one simple four-sided stencil. Complete genius. Lastly, the one that I'm really enjoying right now is slimline stencils. Slimline cards have definitely taken the card making world by storm in 2020. There are lots of different sizes and so many fantastic dies and, and pieces coming out. And if you're wondering, what is a slimline card? It's really just a long, narrow card. Uh, if you're in Australia like me and you want to make one, my preference is to take a sheet of A4 cardstock, trim off one third, which you can use to make a mini card. Nothing goes to waste. Then fold the remaining two thirds of the card in half. And now you have a long, narrow card that fits into a DL envelope. That means there's no extra postage required because other large size cards have also gained in popularity this year, like five by seven. Six by six has always been a favorite, but they're not standard size. So they cost twice as much to post. Now, if you're in the US, you've got the US letter size cardstock. That's a little different. And there are different sizes and there are different envelopes in the US than what we have here. But most of the dyes and stencils translate really well from Australia to the US, from the US to Australia quite well. To use a regular stencil on a slimline card means lots of moving it about, but the new slimline stencils mean less fussing around. You can use them on those bigger cards and you can use them on regular cards. I would also be using them for scrapbooking borders and things. I think that would be cool too. The last thing I will say about stencils is this. There are a lot available and there are more being released every month, but you really don't need hundreds of stencils. Get the ones you know are going to be versatile. And I am going to say this again. Use the rule of three and ask yourself these questions. Can I think of three different stamp sets I can use this with? Can I think of three different occasions I can use this for? Am I going to get sick of this stencil really fast? Maybe also, will this stencil date quickly. And here's the thing. If you keep your stencils in good condition by cleaning them, you can always sell them on to someone else. Use that money to fund the purchase of a new stencil that's going to give you a little bit of a change. Because when you have the one thing and you use it over and over, you do get bored with it. Alternatively, you could gift your stencils that you're thoroughly bored with uh, and you don't want to use it for the 74th time to a friend who's just getting started with their crafting journey. I've got to say, stencils make great hand-me-downs. So whether you are working on a wall, a chest of drawers, a card, a layout, making a fun sign from a piece of leftover pine to go in your entryway or getting really creative and unleashing your inner artist, stencils are something that are worth a look. They're inexpensive, they're versatile, and they don't take up a lot of space. Have fun. Thanks so much for joining me in the craft room today. You can find links and other information about today's episode in the show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or leaving a review on iTunes or Stitcher. I'd really appreciate that. I do hope you have a very crafty day and I will see you next time. Bye for now.